episode 16 of the Passive Hang. Welcome back, guys. Really glad to have you on board because today I have Paul Twyman. Paul is a coach who resides in Perth, and one might say that he's yeah, one of the integral members of the Perth movement culture. Every time I see, I guess, really high-level practitioners coming out over there, there's some affiliation with uh, this guy, Paul. So I was really intrigued by this, and it was really great to get in touch with him today and have this chat. Paul is someone who started on the movement journey later in life, in his late 30s, um, and despite having children, or many children, as you will find out, he has still managed to carve out time and put in energy into a really, really great practice. Although Paul now focuses a lot on hand balancing, it was really great to hear his movement journey through a more varied movement practice to then picking out the thing that he found to be his own passion so sticking to his guns you know i know there's a lot of talk about you know this generalist first specialist that type of thing but it was good to hear how paul for himself really defined that hey hand balancing was something that he really enjoyed and wanted to pursue at a very high level which he does paul shares insights from his personal practice but also from his in-depth teaching experience and so i think this is a great one because i know a lot of you out there are practicing the handstand and also teaching the handstand it's one of those core key critical skills which i think really converts the perspective of people where they start viewing their physical development as an actual practice so i was really happy to get the chance to speak with paul and share this conversation with you guys i'll start it here this is episode 16 of The Passive Hang. My name's Fayon, and here we go. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, welcome back to another episode of The Passive Hang. Uh, I've got another really great guest today. Um, he is a man who is over in Perth, I believe, uh, and his name is Paul. Is it Twyman? Twyman, perfect. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, he, he's a teacher out over there. Um, I came across him, I think, uh, a one or two years ago and yeah, just always all these crazy arm balances, uh, really inspirational. Um, and then also more recently been coming out with like really great tutorials and content as well, which has been helping me on my journey. Um, and I guess a little bit of a personal one as well, because, uh, my coach over here in Melbourne used to be, I think, a part of the team with you, Paul, over at Aspen, I think, back in the day. So a little bit of a connection there, which I think is pretty cool. But um, yeah, I guess the way I like to start things off is just to hand the plate over to you. Um, maybe do you just want to give a little intro as to who you are and how you got into all this movement side of things? Uh, so yeah, my name is Paul Twyman. Um, I'm based in Perth now, but I'm originally from the UK. Um, the two, two questions I get asked the, the most is how many kids do I have and how old am I? I think that's the number one thing I get DM'd on the, on the, on the gram is uh, how old are you um, and how many kids? <laughs> so let's get those out of the way first. So um, I'm 44. Um, I got into this type of training when I was 37, so quite late on. Um, but I've been in the UK, I was, I was always training uh, more bodybuilder type uh, bench press and uh, chest and triceps, back and biceps, uh, <laughs> as, as most people were doing back then. Um, uh, at the time, I was an engineer in the UK. So I had, originally I was a tool maker, so making plastic injection mold tools. Um, and then I moved into the offices and was a development engineer for a few years. Um, but my passion was always around training. Um, I spent all my spare time at the, at the gym. Um, and I first done the, actually the lady who owned the gym that I was training at paid for my PT certification. Um, cause I was helping people out at the gym and stuff. So that was back in 2000. So I was first qualified as a coach, um, in 2000. So 20 years ago now. Um, and I just do that on the side. Um, I think I actually got paid. I worked, um, one evening, um, and got paid with protein powder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got got gym gym membership for free and, and got paid in protein. So that's how I started my fitness career. Um, 
I'd always played around with a little bit on my hands and things. So I could sort of hold a, a 10, 20 second handstand and walk around on my hands, but it was bent legs and banana and um, that sort of was on the, but it was always play. It wasn't, it wasn't part of my training. Um, and then when I came to, um, so my um, wife's dad, so my father-in-law lived in Australia. So we used to always come out here and, and visit and, fell in love with the place and we'd always we'd come over for five or six weeks at Christmas and um, yeah just fell in love with Australia uh, we'd, we'd go back to the UK and say oh we must look at moving out at some point and then it'd be another 12 months and we'd come out again mm-hmm. uh, and eventually we made the big step and in 2004 we we moved out here um, and that was the time where I started to look for engineering jobs and my wife said you know just do what you want to do take your take your passion forever and and become a PT. So mm-hmm. um, I repeated the uh, the personal training course here, the Cert Three, Cert Four, um, and kicked off working in a gym. Um, so then then it became a full time career. Um, and again, I was just doing the bodybuilder type, you know, the back on the bench press again and teaching people how to do that. Um, but I found that a lot of people were were struggling with results, and I'd get a lot of people with injuries. And I didn't really understand the body apart from you know how to pick a dumbbell and a barbell up um and um about six 12 months later i i took over as pt manager at fitness first mm-hmm. um and i met um donald carr who was um heading up the training and development for them mm-hmm. um and but he was mainly check based mm-hmm. so that's the pool check i don't know if you know pool check yeah um so i got into to that quite heavily um, studied with them for, for a few years, um, became a Czech level two practitioner, mm-hmm. um, and then made, so my business and my own training went very like functional type fitness back then we used to call it. <laughs> um, and you know, on the Swiss balls and with the Czech stuff. Um, and then I found CrossFit. So I had this, um, corrective exercise, functional fitness, like training I was doing and that's the way I was um, training my clients. And then it switched over to, um, I was got super passionate about CrossFit and I was like um, teaching corrective ex- exercise, but then trying to snatch my body weight in the garage at home <laughs> and run up and down the road. So I had this like extreme um, difference in terms of my training and my philosophies and all that had all got messed up. So I'd gone from mm. bodybuilding to check to CrossFit um, and I saw a picture of Ido Portel in a one-arm handstand. He was in a one-arm mm-hmm. uh, diamond position. I think it was an advert for his workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw the picture and there was something that was like, I want to do that. I want to get this one-arm <laughs> handstand. This is, this is it. Um, and it just so happened the workshop was in Perth mm-hmm. like two or three weeks later. So uh, I signed straight up for the workshop because I just assumed that, you know, that he was going to give me the secrets for a one-arm handstand. <laughs> and, um, and I also at the time as well, I'd, I'd always been someone who would post. Um, so I was putting, you know, I'd do my CrossFit workout and I would take a picture of my hands and put a mm. picture on Instagram. Um, and I was teaching myself to do a bar muscle up at the time. Um, and I was, so I was posting things to Instagram quite a bit and, a, I saw a lady on there posting, started a, like a handstand 365 challenge. Mm. Um, she was a yoga lady. I'm not even sure of her name um, in America. And um, I was like, I can do that. If I do the handstand 365 challenge, I can get this one arm handstand. I, you know, I'll have just by practicing daily, it's gonna, I'll have that in a couple of months, no problem had no idea how to train it or anything. I just, I've got a great picture. If you scroll right back on my Instagram where I'm up against the wall thinking I'm doing a one arm handstand. Um, and I just, so I, so I started the handstand 365, started taking a picture every day, went to Edo's workshop. Um, still thinking I was going to get this, this one arm so quickly. Uh, um, and obviously then I found out, you know, opened my eyes up to, um, all the other type of movement type training mm-hmm. that Edo was teaching. Um, I think it was about a month later I signed up for online coaching with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, um, it was interesting. I actually went back and tried to get all my dates back through um, of when I started training with different people and when I achieved certain things. It's something I want to sit down and actually mm. log everything and go through. But so that was back in January, 2014. Mm. 
So I started training uh, with Edo soon after that. Um, I done. So was this was this the first time when you started getting coaching? Like, so you know, you, you were talking about you're always into training for a lot of the time, you know, with various sort of methodologies. Um, was this the first time you were actually getting getting coached? Uh, no. So I, because with the, the Czech model, um, I actually was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with Paul. So whenever he came mm. over to Australia, I'd fly out to the East Coast and, um, yeah, spend time with him. And at the time, there was uh, a few other guys who were a lot further down the Czech work. Um, and I would spend time and have coaching from them. So I, I was I was definitely someone who would stick 110% into anything I was doing, yep. um, whether it was the check and then with the CrossFit, I, I I wanted to go and do the the coaching with the Olympic lifting and mm-hmm. you know find out how to do a muscle up. And so I was following everything in in a lot of um, detail and would get coaching. Mm. But Edo was the first person I'd had coaching from in that sort of movement side. Mm. Um, and I remember his, at his work, workshop because they basically try and, you know, try and put you off in a way in terms of the, the online coaching because they say it's not for everyone. It's five, six hours of training a day and mm. six days a week. And here I am, you know, with kids and um, a job. And, um, but I still, <laughs> still dived in and, and, and done it. Yeah, I guess what um, goes through your mind at that point, you know, like the the ask for that, you know, like the daily requirement is quite high. Did you, were, were you just like, this is just something that I need to do? Or like what went through your mind during that period? Yeah, I just, I, I think it's something I wanted. The passion was so, the drive was so strong that I was just, I'm going to do it. It's, it's I'll, I'll find a way. Hmm. Um and in the past, like, because I've always had kids from such an early age. So my, well, I've got six kids. My eldest is 24. Mm-hmm. So I'm 44. Um, we've got a 16 year old, a 10 year old, a nine year old, a four year old and uh, 17 months. So, you know, that's, that's obviously now. So it's changed a little bit and I've added them on as we go. Um, <laughs> but I've got, that's, that's what I'm used to. You know, mm-hmm. my house is crazy. I train around the kids. Um, I train in the daytime. Um, it's my hobby as well. So, mm-hmm. and my, and it's lucky enough, it's my job. So it is a full-time, um, thing. So I can put a lot of time in, mm. um, but it was definitely something. So over those 12 months, those first 12 months working with Edo, I'd have to spread, spread my sessions out. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing stretching at eight, nine o'clock at nine, uh, nine o'clock at night when we're watching TV, mm. I'd, um, I train between clients. I would be constantly just practicing throughout the day. So it wouldn't be like I'd set aside four hours and just train back to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, okay, I've got to go do the school run. I'll finish here. I'll go to the school, pick the kids up, and then I'll train with the kids. And so it was, I didn't follow a program, you know, set by set and rest times. And I've never really done that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked with what I had and made the best of it. I like that model because, you know, on the flip side, like a lot of people always are like, you know, you got your hour or two hour here and you got to follow all the sets and reps all in the, in the way that it's programmed. Right. But this is like a different approach where it's just like, whatever time that I can grab, I'm just going to do whatever work that I can. And then if it's spaced out, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I managed like, um, with the Edo, um, way of working is you have to hit a certain stage before you get your next uh, program. So mm-hmm. you have to sort of pass before you, you know, get the green light to even start the, the workout. You have to send the videos in and show that you're you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed to always get the green light, and then I was, you know, uh, moving on to the next phase uh, in time. So things weren't taking um, too long. I was still managing to to get the work done and, and make the mm-hmm. progress. So where were you at, at this uh, particular stage? Like you met, you mentioned that, you know, you're doing like a lot of CrossFit stuff um, from before, but you know, for moving into this type of training, did you find that you were like prepared at a good level or this was like, you know, next level challenges for you that really tested you? How, how did you find um, that, that switch? Well, I used to, I've always been strong with um, like push so I could mm. press heavy weights over my head. I think I found an old video the other day 
uh, when I was doing the CrossFit. And I was around mid 70s kilos weight wise. Uh, and I was pressing overhead 75 kilos, um, like standard strict press. Um, and I've always, you know, was using the heaviest dumbbells in the gym and stuff when I was doing my, my bench press. And, um, <laughs> you know, so my push has always been strong and I'm, I'm, I'm short. So I've got, you know, my levers work uh, in my favor for the pushing exercises. So, and I could do a like uh, L-sit through to a bent arm press to handstand without really training it. Mm. So I had a bit of shoulder, tricep, uh, chest strength that was was good. Um, I was super tight. Edo used to call me the fridge. Um, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't touch my toes. Um, I couldn't sit in straddle. I've got some great straddle pictures of me sitting on about five plates with another plate just sort of resting on the back of my head. Um, so um, I'm definitely not naturally flexible. So I had to really work in that, and I and that's probably what I've spent the most time on. Mm. and I've definitely been drawn to certain things. So like I wanted to press the handstand, so I hit the straddle really hard, mm. hit the, um, the hamstrings really hard. I wanted to get the, the head to toe that everyone had. So um, I hit those really, really hard and um, had to put the time in. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things came easier. So the, like the push-up strength type thing, I've always been pretty good at handstand push-ups. Um, I taught myself a, a really bad bar muscle up um just from watching some some videos and um it was funny because every time i'd do a some bar muscle ups i would like hurt my neck and not be able to turn around for a while Mm. so then i'd rest for a couple of weeks and then do a few more bar muscle ups but what it meant was when i first was shown a ring muscle up i got it on my first attempt Mm. but i think because i've done so many bar muscle ups like it wasn't clean it wasn't nice Mm. Um, I think it even got laughed at at the uh, Edo workshop, but you know, it was, I had certain things that came easier and then other things that came, that came hard. Yep. So how did your, yeah, uh, that journey keep on progressing because, um, I assume at one point then you started getting really more obsessed with the, with the handstand and you kept on pursuing that as a goal. Um, yeah, maybe take us through what happened you know, during the Edo training, then after, after that to, to this point now. Yeah. So I done, I done a year with Edo and then I went to, he actually moved, he came back to uh, Perth for another workshop. So one year later, um, and a lot of the people that had come there because I was putting so much content out and showing my progress, I actually got a lot of people to come to that workshop. I think mm. they were intrigued to, to meet Edo and see what he was doing. Um, one of, the, one of the people that I introduced him to um, lived down south of Perth and mm-hmm. invited Edo to go south um, for the weekend or no, for the couple of days following the weekend workshop that he'd done. Um, and I got a phone call from Edo, um, I think it was like the Monday or Tuesday after that. And he, and he said, I'm moving the uh, internship to Perth. Mm. So I think it was planned to be over east that year. Mm. Um, so he moved the whole, he just fell in love with South of Perth and, and said, you must come. I wasn't planning on going to the internship, but he said, you must come down. So two weeks later, I'm in going down to the internship. So I spent five days, um, with Ido and the, and the gang down there, which was amazing. Um, but it was then that I realized that my passion was still with the handstands, with the one arms. I really wanted to get it. And Mm. I remember having a conversation with, um, Edo and he wanted me to um, become more the, the, the generalist and not the specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I struggled with that because it's just not what I wanted to do. I was, my passion was, you know, in the handstands and I wanted to uh, mm-hmm. pursue that more. Uh, and I found myself looking, even though I was um, still committed to the Edo training, trying to manage that amount of training towards the, all of those different things at once mm-hmm. plus the one arms was a struggle. And I was looking elsewhere at techniques and hand balances and spending more time researching and practicing what else I was seeing, which was taking mm-hmm. me away from the Edo uh, work. Um, I continued to be Edo for another 10, 11 months after that. Um, but then decided to, to go on and just focus on the one arms mm-hmm. uh, and the handstands. Um, I'd sort of had a few conversations with Yuval on hands um, and then done a bit of work with him online. Um, 
so after I left Ido, um, that was my main focus. I still kept teaching the strength skills, you know, the ring work and the, mm-hmm. and the floor work and things. Um, I continued with, um, but the main thing was the handstands then. So I, um, I'd done some online coaching with Yuval. Then I went to Thailand for the, his internship. For, um, so I'd done that. I spent some time with um, any hand balancer or anyone who was teaching that style of training who came mm-hmm. close to Perth, I would see. Uh, uh, Yuri, uh, Mamastein, Miguel. Um, yeah, so anyone who was coming here, I'd, I'd, I'd um, learn from them and to go mm-hmm. to their workshops. And, and I was constantly researching stuff online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and that's sort of what I've done since. Um, just trying to learn from anyone who's doing the hand balancing because there's a real big difference between how Edo teaches the handstands mm-hmm. compared to how a hand balancer teaches them. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to work out which method and um, person to follow. And in the mm-hmm. end, I sort of found my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yuval was probably the number one guy, especially because he's a little bit older. He's a bit older than me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of attracted to his way of um, teaching. Um, and then I was lucky enough um, to go and spend a few days with Yuval at his home mm-hmm. when I was visiting family in the UK because uh, Yuval was based in France. So I got to spend some time with him, which was, um, was, was amazing one-on-one. Um, and you mentioned there was a bit of a difference there with um, maybe Ido's approach and hand balancing approach. Maybe yeah, can you comment a little bit more about what those differences are? Uh, it's yeah, it's mainly how he teaches uh, one arms. If you can, if you look at someone's um, shape, position, how they hold a one arm, who's only trained under Ido's method, you'll mm-hmm. see a big difference between them. Um, and I think it's down to how they do the the flag and the push type movement, where they look in the handstand. Um, it's sort of based on. Um, more of a flag leaning out type position where a hand balancer will be a lot closer to the shoulder, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot more stacked hands will be closer together. Um, So it's a very subtle difference unless you're deep into it. If you're deeper into it, you can definitely see, you know, Mm -hmm. if you put 10 people together and five of them have worked with Edo and five have worked with hand balancers, you'll see a big difference, Mm -hmm. especially from the back watching, you'll see a, see a, see a quite a difference. Um, and I think it's more to do with the hand balancer is just staying still mm-hmm. where Edo's work is about entering from the sides and, and, and obviously the movement, not just the, um, the, the strict hand balancing position. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it about the handstand that really just sucked you in? Because I imagine that, you know, over, you mentioned so many modalities, right? And then with the Edo as well, you've been introduced to so many different, you know, paths that you could take. What was it that when you started getting stuck into the handstand that you're like, you know, this is it. I'm just going to really keep on plugging away, staying at this thing, mastering this, this one. Uh, that's a very hard question. I'm not sure, sure what it was. Um, I do like the, I suppose it's my, like my meditation, my quiet time. Mm. Because you know, with with the business, with um, with my home life, everything's very crazy, mm-hmm. and it's my my time. Um, it's I like the idea of it not being able to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be working on this in the next ten, fifteen years, and I can still be going further and lots of um, things to achieve. So I like the idea of it not having an end point. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what it is, and, I, and obviously, I'm I'm being strong in the push. So finding handstand pushups easier. Um, you know, the presses I find quite easy now. I think I feel like I've achieved enough to play and teach. Uh, but then I've still got all that room to go as well. And also I can keep training it for, um, you know, the next 10, 15 years. Mm. If I'm, you know, 44 now, I've got to, I've got to look at, can I be still be doing this in five to 10 years time? Mm. Yeah, because I noticed, like you mentioned, like Yuval, and I know that he's a little bit older as well. And I really love how he's still doing like a lot of the high level stuff and then hand balancing. And there's like, it seems to be quite good longevity in that art as well. I think that's like quite attractive. Um, And I like how you sort of stuck to your guns there, maybe even with a 
difficult conversation with, you know, Ido himself probably challenging you on going, uh, it's not just about hand balancing, but you just go, you know, no, this is what I really enjoy. You know, I think that's, you know, really refreshing because yeah, that whole generalist versus specialist type argument. Yeah. Maybe it just, it just depends really on, you know, what you're about and what you enjoy. Right. Um, I think that's in the end, what anything we do in life is, is about as well, or what, what is important. I think that's funny because if you look back at my uh, on my Instagram, I was doing the handstand three six five, and then I went to the internship, and it changed from handstand three six five to movement three six five. Because after that conversation with Ido, I was like, okay, I can't just do handstands; I must do something else. So for a, for a brief period, I sort of um, changed it to movement three six five, which is mm. quite funny. Um, and then I was like, no, I want to do handstands. I'm going to be me, and I went back back to doing handstands. Um, yeah, it, it is tricky, and especially now, it's really cha- it's challenging for people getting into this type of movement because um, there's sort of you feel like you have to do certain things because mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it, yeah. um, and I think that's really tricky. And I I definitely get um, if I get people come to me for online coaching or come to Aspen for for coaching, they'll have this list of things they want to achieve, and it's always exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to get a, a muscle up, a press to handstand, a handstand push up, a QDR, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and they want to, they want to wear certain shoes and wear, um, <laughs> you know, have their hair, hair cut in a certain way to fit in with the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the rest of the gang, which is, mm-hmm. um, I think, and then to, to step back and then like really understand what people's passions and goals are and help them with that mm-hmm. over just following the, um, what everyone else is doing is is tricky mm-hmm. yeah i think it's probably a struggle that we always uh, face in life right like trying to go for what you're really after and i think you know it's really great how you mentioned earlier on in the end like you know you weren't always a a trainer but this was something that you stepped into a little bit later in life as well and you made you made this switch you know sort of purposely as well I imagine it would have been a really um, challenging time with a move to a new country as well. It's always a little bit scary when you uh, go to a new place. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I had the comfort that I thought I was an expert in what I was doing. You know, I could, I could show someone how to hmm. hold the barbell in a different way so they can work their chest differently and, and um, what day they should train their, their triceps on. Hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny to think back to those, that time, um, and I always think that, you know, the days when I used to come to Australia on holiday and now I own a gym down the road, you know, where we used to sit on the beach mm-hmm. and that, now I live here and I've, I've, I'm teaching handstands around the corner. And back then I was an engineer sitting in an office in the UK, like it's <laughs> such a extreme difference. Um, yeah. and I'm, I think that's something that's really helped as well is now that, you know, everybody wants to learn how to handstand. So, mm. um, it's yeah. it's it's kind of good timing, right? Um, so yeah, you mentioned all this activity in Perth, and you know how Ido also moved his internship over to Perth, and you know every time I log on to there, there seems to be like you know you're doing like amazing stuff. You guys at Aspen are really you know um, doing all these interesting things, but then other guys as well. Um, there seems to be like a lot of really great facilities. Like what is happening over in Perth? Like it. Was there someone that led this or this has just come organically? Maybe, yeah. Could you let uh, us know? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like if, if we look back or like what happened is I think when, when I started working with Edo and started put content out, I was showing like before and afters and, and, and I, I was showing my, um, like if I'd achieved something, I would put it up on, on Instagram and then I, I started to get... Um, a lot of guys in Perth come to me and ask, you know, what, where am I learning this? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we, how can we learn it? Um, and then we, we got quite a big group together who were at different stages. Quite a few people signed on with Edo as well. Um, and then we were all started to teach cause we all tend to be, I think most people that get into it are coaches half the time. So mm-hmm. then they are obviously spread into, other coaches and to their clients and things. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just ramped up for a year or two where we were all working together and training together. I'd, I'd half the people coming to see me for coaching were people that came, you know, got their program for Edo and didn't understand half the exercises because they weren't things that 
um, that anyone knew all these strange names. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would come to me for sessions and then we would um, break apart the, the exercises and just explain them and because I'd been through the process. Um, they then taught other people and then the, that got bigger and um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I think I was one of the first ones to start with Vito. There was Anthony Tram was um, with Vito before me, uh, but I think I was the main one that was putting content out that was getting people excited mm. in Perth. Um, I know I started to do some handstand workshop type classes pretty early on. Um, and that's where like Harry and um, the other guys and where, where I met Emma and Glenn and who I've opened Aspen Coaching with. Um, and then we all sort of went our, our separate ways now and opened up our own uh, movement facilities, if you want to call it that, mm. um, around Perth. Um, and just because there was a few of us coaches, then I suppose that it spread then that we, we, we got a few close clients that were achieving things and that spread. And so now we have this, you know, network of coaches and then clients, mm. um, and it's just built to something big in Perth. Yeah. It's quite amazing how, you know, like from small seeds, it can just keep on spreading and spreading and maybe with the power of the internet now and sharing, right. That's how it can keep on attracting attention and gathering like a lot of speed, which is what, what it seems. Um, cause I look over here in other cities like, like Melbourne and, you know, we've got a lot more people as well, but it just seems like, uh, more like movement facilities or the ones that, yeah, uh, like w- with the angle that you guys are developing, um, still, still lacking or n- not quite there. Yeah, I'm not sure whether the size of Perth helps and how isolated it is. Um, people say I'm I'm not one who's out partying and stuff now in in Perth. So um, people say it's very very quiet. Mm. So you know. If you're looking for um, other things to do, it's a bit trickier. We've got lovely beaches, but apart from that, um, people train. So maybe <laughs> that's got something to do with it where Melbourne uh, and you know, places on the East Coast, they've got a little bit more going on. So um, there's more distractions. Well, you know, training in the beach, that's doesn't sound so bad at all, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually funny because when I was going through and looking at all the dates, um, when I achieved certain things, um, on my Instagram, there was a few pictures of when we used to all get together mm-hmm. um, in Perth, and we just trained on the beach because there was there was not many places to train. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to do this style of training in Fitness First or um, some of the normal gyms is you know tricky. You get told mm-hmm. off for taking your shoes off. So. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah i i also have some good memories of that as well you know trying to trying to do some of these like more more weirder things at first and then you know especially when you're trying to learn handstands like by yourself and you have no idea what you're doing and no one else is doing it it's kind of like a really confronting thing because you know you're you're just failing constantly (laughs) and then yeah then you try and take your shoes off as well because it's a little bit more weight and everything like that and yeah it's uh it's a funny environment to maybe try and try something different hmm. yeah yeah i remember the first uh, i think when i first started um teaching handstand classes i i rented some space for one of the studios at, at good life and um yeah so and they had glass windows or the doors and then there'd be the rest of the people in the gym and i'm the people would come in for the handstand class and there would just be all these faces up against the window. Like what's going on in there? That's not a, that's not a body pump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it is strange and uh, trying to train the, in the, in the global gyms. The... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, turning our attention now to, you know, your, your topic of interest handstands, uh, and maybe, you know, I view it here as two separate areas, you know, one maybe is like teaching handstands and the other one is practicing handstands, you know, I'd love to get some insight on, you know, if you were to take like a handstand class or a handstand workshop, you know, like, what do you think are some key things that you try to teach people to get to understand about handstands? Maybe if we're talking, maybe let's start like at the beginner level or like at the intermediate level, like what are, what are some key fundamentals or concepts that you always try to get people to understand? Um, so one of the, what I like to teach is um, 
to have a varied group in it makes it much easier mm. to get points across so if i've got you know a, a 65 year old female and a 20 year old bodybuilder and a um you know a 30 year old female that's just had a baby you know it's, it's teaching all of those people um how to be upside down and how to be strong on your hands and understand the same principles mm-hmm. and then for them all to understand what they need to do as individuals to make it safe and make progress and things mm. um i normally like the the bodybuilder and the uh the 60 year old female because normally the 60 year old female can hold a chest or handstand twice as long as the bodybuilder <laughs> and it's sort of uh, so it gets across that 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 fight in the body and i think some mm. that's one of the big things i got from the the check work was really understanding the the anatomy and what goes on in terms of the fight of the muscles um just to but you know stand up tall and put your hands above your head mm. most adults can't do that mm. um and then you expect to chuck yourself upside down and and balance there at the same time so again to people to really appreciate that you know what's happening at the shoulders at the back the hips um and understand what they need to work on to create some sort of balance so it doesn't turn into a fight mm. i think most people are, are fighting themselves to stay upside down mm. as opposed to it becoming you know, the body becoming one segment and just um, being comfortable there. I think that's the main thing um, I try and get across in a workshop. So it could be that um, someone needs to do a lot of mobility work and a little bit of handstands and then slowly increase the handstands and and not decrease the mobility, but just get a bit more um, targeted on what they need to work on. Mm. I think that's the the number one thing. I teach more the hand balancing way in terms of how to enter the handstand uh, position and things. Um, but I also show the, you know, the gymnastic way of doing it mm-hmm. um, and, and just get people to um, hopefully, fo- hopefully find how they can work on their balance. How can they can work on their conditioning? That's normally the, the two different things that I want people to go away with. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, because, because handstand is basically, practicing the same thing over and over again for for quite mm. some time and if you if you make some some silly mistakes and get some bad habits at the start it's hard to get rid of it mm-hmm. yeah i was going to ask you about you know this concept of the hand handstand 365 you know the the daily handstand um because sometimes you know with training that people always go oh, you know you need to take a break you need to recover for that growth um but is the handstand something different you know can you do this every day uh, it's something that I believe you can do something for every day. Um, I mean, when I started the handstand 365, that was not even thinking about um, overtraining or anything. It was just, I want this one on handstand and I want to get it next week. So if I practice every day, I'm going to get it in a week. Mm. Um, obviously, now I'm a bit, little bit more educated and have learned from uh, teaching other people and things that that's not the case. And some people need to be um, aware of their imbalances and things. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't put your arms above your head, if you're working at a desk, uh, if your wrists are in flexion all the time, you're going to struggle to to do work every day. Mm-hmm. But it, it it doesn't have to be a handstand. It could be you're going to stretch uh, muscles to target what you need for the handstand, mm-hmm. and you need to do that daily. Like that's the way I teach it now is I recommend people practice daily, but it could be a stretching routine with a 20 second chest wall handstand at the end. It doesn't have to be, you know, 60 minutes on the, on the hands every day. Um, mm. I, I think most people um, train a lot less than they actually think they do. Um, you know, that's a common one with people taking deloads and things mm. uh, with training is most people, say they're going to train six days a week and actually train four, four times a week or twice a week mm-hmm. realistically. So setting something that's a handstand three, six, five, you don't have to train every day, but you're more likely to stick with it mm. to have some sort of accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And I guess, you know, you've seen the other side of the coin where you would train four or five hours per day. Right. So like <laughs> most people are, are not doing that. And uh, that's probably where it becomes like way more cr- critical about recovery and doing all those sort of things. Yes. And it's hard. It's hard. Like everyone's individual and, you know, one person can mm. probably from day one start seven days a week, but uh, yeah, most people will need to go in lightly and slowly increase. Mm. 
um, and, and swap the stretches and the strength and the, and the balance all around to fit their body types and their, uh, what they're doing day to day. You mentioned this difference between like the 65 year old woman and then, you know, the 20 year old bodybuilder. And sometimes like, you know, the, the, the 65 year old woman can achieve the chest to wall, like uh, a lot faster or perform it, like, um, learn it a lot, a lot quicker. Why is that? Is there, is there something about, you know, the way that, uh, like the 20 year old bodybuilder might approach his training that is restrictive for something like the handstand? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's, it's more, I mean, that's what I felt from personal experience as well because I was so strong in the, the chest and shoulders and, and triceps and things, I actually couldn't put my arms above my head. Mm. So, you know, and, and then when I did go into any type of position, I was fighting the, the, the muscles on my back were fighting the muscles on the front and mm. vice versa all the way up and down the body. So it turned into, uh, you know, I'm literally holding my breath, trying to just hold mm. the position where the... the um, the person who's not like that, who has a slightly better posture and not so much tightness from the other training can just hang out there for longer and have a conversation. So suddenly mm-hmm. they're just way more efficient in the, in the position. Um, so that's like the main difference, I think. Mm. Um, and probably the, the 60 year old female will uh, not uh, be trying the harder end all the time where mm. the 20 year old male is going to be going straight onto the, the one arms and the handstand push-ups before they can <laughs> hold a handstand. So. Yeah, it's like building that base, right? Um, and I like this concept of strain because I've I've definitely because uh, I, I I guess I was like that twenty-five year old, you know, coming from a bodybuilding, powerlifting type training when I first started getting into handstands. And yeah, you, know, you got this concept as well that you're just like, oh, I should be able to do this, you know? I've done a military press of like my own body weight, like should be able to just push myself up. But then you are right. Like everything's kind of like counterintuitive, pushing back against you. I'm kind of holding my breath as well, face going beat red. Um, and then it is as now I practice more, um, still straining a, a bit, but as you get more comfortable, then it's less effort, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. And that's why I try and get across, um, you know, I often use it for the people who are, are more at the pointy end and work in the handstand pushups and, and, and presses and things like that. When I demonstrate things in a class to them, you know, I'm doing five handstand pushups and talking to them while I'm doing it. Mm. Uh, and I try and like pause in any position and have a conversation halfway down in the, in the handstand pushup mm. and not, not to show off. Well, that's a little bit of it, but, um, <laughs> Uh, it's more, it's more to just prove a point. Like I'm not low, I'm not stronger than them most of the time, you know, on paper, they're probably just as strong as me. Um, but it's more that I'm holding an efficient position. So I'm balanced. Um, I'm not fighting myself and then I can talk in that moment Mm -hmm. I put them in that position and they're trembling and trying to hold balance. And, um, it's, it's just to get that across the, it's, it's a combination of all those things. Mm. Um, so I guess you mentioned before as well about how a lot of people have these common goals, you know, one being like a press, press to handstand, right? Because I mean, let's face it. When I first saw that, I was like, that, that's sick. I want, I want, I want to try that for someone that, you know, maybe has like zero handstand experience and then wants to go to a press to handstand. What, what are sort of the steps that you see to build up someone to that point? You know, do you have specific markers or like strength targets, which you're like, okay, yep. That, and then next step, then that next step, do you have like quite a systematic approach or maybe, yeah. Could you comment a little bit about the, the way that you like to potentially teach a student towards this? Uh, yeah, so it, it all depends. Um, obviously, assessment is a big part of it to, to see where that person's at. Um, you know, I've had a couple of people who've got pressed to handstand very, very quickly. Um, but when I assess them, you know, you look at them from the side and get them to go into a push-up position and get them to walk their, their toes in towards their hands and try and raise their hips up in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, if that person can put their hips on top of their hands just by walking their feet in, mm-hmm. then obviously it's it's much easier to press the handstand. Mm-hmm. Um compared to the person, you know, like when I got my press to handstand, it was still a struggle to um, put my hands on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to use a lot more strength to, to get the movement. Um, so it is very much dependent on whether the person has flexibility, has strength, has both. Um, so what they have as an individual. Um, and obviously, 
if they can't hold a 10 second chest or handstand, then going for a press to handstand is probably not the, the best option. I have had a couple of people, I've, I've taught quite a few workshops and classes in, in uh, yoga studios. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of people that have got pressed to handstands that couldn't hold a five second handstand, um, which also, uh, <laughs> which can frustrate a lot of people. Um, yeah. But it's just a, you know, it's just a, a sign that the individual needs to find out what they need to work on um, in the flexibility, strength and balance. Mm. and then work out you know what's the best choice for them most mm. people will sort of slot slot into a a common path to do it mm. um but it will come down to the to the individual's um body type strength flexibility um and, and confidence as well mm. uh, and, you know what they've done in the past you get a lot of people with the handstands as they're actually quite scared to be upside down. So getting mm -hmm. that person to, to commit to putting 100% of their weight into their hands and leaning forwards um, mm. can be much harder. So it can be, it can be other things other than strength and flexibility. It might be they just need to get confidence up in positions. Yeah, I like this mental side, right? Because that really takes away your strengths when you can't commit. Like I remember kicking up to like with a mattress laid down as well so that I kind of have that safety net and it took me a while before, you know, you start feeling comfortable just to really go for it. I just on, on the flat ground. And with that thing in your mind, um, I find that now when I'm trying to like start practicing the macaco as well, like I know that I can jump, but then to really commit to the jump, it's, it's quite scary going behind cause I've never done that before. So the body, it's kind of like that concept that you were talking about before the body kind of fights itself in this unnecessary strain yes yeah and i actually i hurt my left shoulder some time ago trying to do a back handspring mm -hmm. um so that's that's one of the reasons or one of my excuses that my left one arm is not very good um <laughs> i i hurt my shoulder quite bad um doing a yeah doing a back handspring and and that scared me going backwards now so i you don't you won't see me doing flips or mm. um back salts and things now um yeah it's just building that confidence up and and mm. if you have had a scare or an injury then it does make it much much yes. more challenging it sets you back doesn't it um you know what are uh some of the biggest differences you see um or that someone has to learn about when you're transitioning from like going from a two-arm handstand to a one-arm handstand uh I always read, you know, it's, it's always very different, right? I, I'm not at that stage yet, but I'm just wondering, yeah, what, what do you like to teach or what do you understand from moving from two to one? What are the biggest uh, key differences? Uh, so th the, the funny thing is with the, the going to the one arm handstand, I think if you've got it in your head that you, you want to do a one arm, uh, everyone's secretly practicing one arms way before they should. Mm. Um, I know I did. I ordered... I remember ordering blocks from Yaval when I was still training with Edo, and you know my my two arm handstand was pretty terrible. But I was I was still trying to to block, walk up and down, and um, up against the wall and holding on to things, trying to do one arms. Um, so I think everyone does that in the background. They do this play that they shouldn't really be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we say to people, you must have a you know ninety second strong. Uh, two arm handstand, you must have presses, you must have handstand push ups, or whatever it is, before you're allowed to start working one arms. But I think everyone does start playing much earlier than they should. Um, and it's yeah, again, it's down to the individual. You know, I like to see people that can enter the handstands to do, you know, 10 plus kick ups in a row, catch every handstand, mm -hmm. show control in different shapes in a two arm so they can move the shoulders around and the hips around and return back to straight handstand. Mm -hmm. um, before they start thinking about the one arm. Um, and I, I would just look at it as percentages. So you have, you know, your two arm training to start with might be 95%. So say for yourself, if you wanted to really get in, head towards one arms, if you said to yourself 95% of your session was two arm handstands and mm -hmm. then 5% was like one arm play, that could be flagging over, that could be um, playing with some blocks, it could be, you know, something up against the wall. Mm -hmm. And then in six months' time, that's changed to 10% uh, of your, mm. your training and then just play with it that way. So not saying for someone they must achieve a certain thing before they can even start thinking about one-arms, but just slowly allow them some time. 
uh, and just increase that time. Where now, you know, my own training, especially now I've sort of gone back to the drawing board a bit with the one arm, so it's lots of things I want to tidy up. 95% of my training is one arm now, mm-hmm. and I just do a quick 95% one arm. So I think if it, that's, a, that's a way I like to do it is that percentage um, and just increase and decrease it depending on the, on the individual. Yeah, I like that approach. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know, if you're, if you're interested into this and you want to start playing around with it, that's okay, you know. Continue still the core basis of what you, you need to work on. But then if you have some time left over as well, you know, you can start devoting that. Like you don't have to be restrictive. Like sometimes I find, yeah, there, there are these messages, right, that are like, you know, you need to hit these prerequisites or, or levels before you're allowed to jump onto this next thing. But really it's like you can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> it's all part of the learning yeah. process. Yeah. And I think if someone really wants it, they will be playing in the background. Um, you know, we definitely see people in class and they'll be playing around with one arm type stuff, even mm. though, you know, they haven't got the two arm yet. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit of fun. It's, it's good to like, uh, if you can exit out from the sides in a two arm handstand, that's not a bad thing. Mm. You know, if you can cartwheel into a handstand, you could argue that is a sort of type of one arm uh, entry or exit. So um, starting to play with those is, is, is got to help. Mm-hmm. Even if it just helps your two arm. I mean, I was looking back, um, so I started with, I think it was January 2014, I think I saw saw that picture of Ido in the one arm and decided I wanted to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I got my first 10-second hold in, um, I actually got the, on Canes, I got a 10-second hold in 2015 in August. And then the following day, I got a 10-second on the floor so that was August 2015, and I started in January 2014. And so you it was had, only about 18 had months. No handstand. Together. No, I had like a 40 or 50 second 2365. Um, I'm not even sure. I have to go back and check when I started that. But when I went to the Edo workshop, I'd already started the handstand 365. I think okay. it was for a couple of months before that. Mm. So, but it's not that. It's around 18 months. I think I got that 10 second mark, but then um, it took a while then to get it again. So mm. I think a lot of people get that. They'll get this freak 10 second hold and they're like, yes, I've mastered the one arm. Um, and, and we had a thing in, in Perth. So I, I started with my Instagram where I, I wouldn't post a video of, no, I wouldn't post a picture of a one arm handstand until I could hold it for 10 seconds. Mm. So any po- any post I put up then from then onwards was only my right arm because I only had the, the right arm, one arm. So if you go back <laughs> on my Instagram, you'll just see there's just lots of pictures of right one arm because we had this thing in Perth where we said, if you don't get more than 10 seconds, you're not allowed to put a picture up to stop all the, the, the screenshots of people throwing their hands in the air. Um, uh, yep. Yeah. So I got the, so I got a 10 second floor one arm handstand uh, on the 24th of August 2015 and then I didn't get a 10 second on my left until 2017 September Mm. so another two years later it took me to get a a left 10 second and at the time then I'd got a 30 second one arm on my right so I had 30 seconds on my right and Mm -hmm. 10 seconds on my left in 2017 so they can really be quite market differences like left to right that you have to really be patient with and just keep on working. Yes. Yeah. Mine was extreme because of that injury I had on my left. And then mm. I think Instagram's fault as well, where I'd want to put a post up every day of my handstand. So I was practicing my right way more than my left. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess, you know, moving forward with your practice now, like what are you working on? How do you decide on goals to work on? Um, well, with um, so Aspen Coaching, we opened um, in 2018, uh, and that's taken up a lot of time now because we, you know, we're business owners now. Myself, mm-hmm. Emma, and Glenn, uh, we run the business here, and then with the kids, um, I've put a lot on maintenance. So I teach, I actively teach classes and PTs uh, every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm. I use that for my maintenance a lot of the time, like I'm demoing muscle ups and forward rolls and, you know, the basics on the, on the rings. Um, I'm doing handstand push ups every day in class to show people things. 
Um, and then I'll do occasionally, I'll do a, a short session with those strength goals. Um, um, same with planche, lever work and that. Um, but my main training is all about the handstands I'm with Daniel Lidard in the UK. Um, so he's helping me just fine tune the one arm. Um, so I've sort of gone back and uh, tidied it up because what I've identified is that I use a lot of strength in my one arm. Mm -hmm. So you'll see my legs move around quite a bit. I can, you know, jump into one arms on my right hand side, but my head will be quite far from my shoulder. Mm -hmm. There's a little bend in my elbow and then I can pull it back into a straighter position, but I was using mainly strength to hold my one arms. Mm -hmm. So the goal now is to, to use balance. So get the, the movement back to just balancing in the hand and the forearm. So uh, all the work I'm doing at the moment is just uh, pulling the one arm back in. And whenever I um, use that old method, so head come away and using strength, mm -hmm. I'm coming down out of the handstand. Mm -hmm. So it's all about um, tidying up the one arms is my, my main focus at the moment. Mm. I like this. It's like the pursuit of, this this feeling right when you're really centered and balanced um i i, I sort of can I, I know that feeling because there's this it's about that strain again like there's one where you know you're kind of holding it but then you're you're gassed afterwards and then there's the other other type of one where you just feel like almost like this floating effect right and then you're coming down you're like oh that was really nice but it's hard isn't it like it's really hard to keep on chasing and getting that consistent yeah, the hardest thing, and, and it's the same with the two arm. The hardest thing is when you feel like you, you know, you can hold the balance for longer, but you're like, no, I'm not allowed to do that. I must come out of the handstand. Hmm. You know, you can be in a 20 second one arm, and you're like, oh, I've messed up. I've got to come down. <laughs> so choosing to come down instead of choosing to fight uh, is is not nice, but uh, it's something that I, I want to do. And the other big thing I'm working on now is mobility. So hmm. you know, I can put my head on my toe, and I can, uh, I can be pretty flat, you know, belly button to floor in, in a pancake, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm really tight in rotation. My mm -hmm. thoracic and upper back is really tight, um, which limits me in, in, in the handstand. So it gives me only certain um, options. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm stretching a lot every day as well. Mm -hmm. And I want to have middle splits cold. Um, at the moment, it, I can get close to the floor and, you know, my hips go back a little bit but I want to be able to just sit in that cold so I can use it in the handstand, which will make the one arms a hundred times easier. Well, I'm sure that must be like, uh, yeah. Amazing from where you've come from before, like as a, a stiff bodybuilder to now where, you know, middle splits cold is kind of like, okay, that's the next step. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things I've noticed is I'm sure it's a combination of not naturally being flexible mm. uh, and also an age thing. But if I stop stretching anything, it gets super tight very quick. So I need to make sure that every day um, I'm, you know, visiting the pancake, the splits um, and keeping things open. And I've just got to get into the habit of doing that with back bridge and rotation and things as well. So it um, unlocks it and then keeps it open and, yeah. and use it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm just mindful of your time because I know that you got to jump into a session as well. But yeah, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, you know, was interested in finding out more about your methods, coaching, what's the best way to, uh, to reach you? Uh, probably through Aspen coaching is the best way. So we've got, uh, the website aspencoaching.com.au, um, or Paul at aspencoaching.com.au is my email or obviously on Instagram. So it's Paul TA upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, DM on there. Uh, I do offer online coaching. I've just started a, handstand focus group through aspen um where we run online classes and stuff and, uh, but i'm always happy to to chat with people and um it's one of the the positives from social media that i really like is getting to to meet people from around the world and things so i'm always open to that yeah most definitely and really enjoyed connecting and chatting with you today paul um you know it's an aspiration of mine you know when all the borders opened up as well to, to go over and see your guys facility because yeah, it looks, uh, it looks amazing. And I think the work that you guys are doing there are really interesting. So awesome stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely come on over when you, when we can, when this uh, crazy times are over. That's a wrap. That's episode 16 of the passive hang. Thanks once again, guys for listening 
Thanks to Paul for jumping on and chatting with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember, share it with a friend. You can also jump on iTunes or Spotify and share a review. It'd be some good feedback for me. Otherwise, you can reach me on Instagram at P. That's at P-H-A-O-N-P. And just send me a message. Thanks, guys.